standard issue for all women. Hello, welcome to day three of our International Women's Day 2020 series. So far, if you've been paying attention, you'll have heard me and Hannah chat to writer and actor and generally lovely person Amelia Bullmore, and Mick has been talking to activist and writer Sophie Walker, founding leader of the Women's Equality Party and now chief exec of the Young Women's Trust and author of new book Five Rules for Rebellion. Gosh, she's been busy. Yesterday, Mick and I chatted to journalist and author of another new book, Difficult Women, A History of Feminism in 11 Fights, Helen Lewis, which is fantastic and coming up later this week, along with much more besides. Phew. However, in this episode, brace yourself, guys, because I am reuniting you with the glorious Sue Pollard, national treasure who you may best know from Heidi High and other classics. And she is now starring in a one-woman show, Harpy, which she's about to take on tour. What can I tell you about Sue Pollard? Nothing that she can't tell you herself and tell you she will as we chat mental health, ageing stars, wedding singers and upsetting passengers from the mighty Harwich Ferry and parrots. Parrots also feature. I'm not going to advise you to enjoy listening because you just will. Dig in. I am joined by entertainer (laughs) and national treasure... Oh, yeah. What it says here, Sue. I know, isn't it Camden? People keep saying, don't they? Do you like that? You know, that's like you've been dug up for the umpteenth time. But do you know what? I think if you feel in any field that you've been in, it's, it's rather nice. It's a nice little affectionate term, yeah, to be fair. Absolutely. Mm. Anyway, that, that's Sue Pollard, by the way. Oh, yes, hi. I, look, now I don't know why I'm looking into this microphone. It's all right. you're, you're directing your voice towards it. That's absolutely yeah. what I want you to do. So, <laughs> so thank you. So, Sue, we are chatting today about your one-woman show. You, When we last saw you, which was in Edinburgh, when was that? It was a couple of years ago. Now. 90... Oh, at me, 90. 2018. Yeah. 1990. You no, know, because I'm thinking 1918. <laughs> I forgot we're in another... We're millennium now. Yeah, 2018. So that would be, obviously, it's got to be getting on for... It's over 18 months, because August is always the time, isn't it, yeah. for Edinburgh? That seems like... Five minutes ago, Jen. So your show that you had uh, at the Edinburgh Fringe, the one-woman show, Harpy, you're taking it on tour as of March. So can you tell us a little bit about it, please? Yes. Basically, I'll tell you what Harpy means, actually, first. It's a very kind of... Um, it's a Greek word for, if you like, um, collecting things and being supposedly quite vicious. Because Harpy's like a bird. It's a mythical bird. So it comes down and takes things and covets them, mm-hmm. you know. So basically, that is why it's called Harpy. This lady, Bridget, my character, that people call her Birdie. And it's just, I don't know why that is. It's just kind of a nickname that's developed. And um, in, in her words, Harpy is the fact that she's found things in her life that she's lost. So she doesn't want to let anything go because basically she's a hoarder. So that's what a harpy does, really. And it's like on your nest, never wants to let anything go. So it's basically Birdie's story. You get, you get, obviously, you get told why and what it is that she's lost. Because mm. apparently that's what it is. A hoarder is the symptom of the problem. Mm-hmm. 
So hoarding itself, though, can become a problem, though, Jen. So mm. it's basically mental illness in a way. It's obviously some form of illness. And Birdie's illness manifests itself in the fact that she's not bipolar, but she could have six, seven, eight different moods in a day. Mm -hmm. So suddenly she could turn on a sixpence. So she's quite unpredictable. Mm -hmm. And uh, the social workers find it difficult because she's already had about five hours of booze. She wants to play music at night, you see. Mm. You know, she's not a 21-year-old because her only outlet is singing because she likes karaoke. So I guess she's a lot to deal with, really, when you think about it. Yeah, a bit of a, bit of a problem neighbour, Yeah, I, oh, definitely, because the thing is, it transpires in the piece, of course, that she has an aunt who dies, and that's another twist to the plot. And, of course, and they find the aunt uh, dead because of the, it's a fly infestation. Mm. Exactly. So poor Booty, mm. she gets mixed up with her tablets mm. and she doesn't take them. Well, she's, she's on another plane. So it's dealing with a lot of things as play, mental health problems, hoarding, which I think is recognised as a mental health problem now by the, um, the World Health Organisation. Yes, I've definitely heard that because Philip, who wrote it, Philip Meeks, mm. he very, very much went into all this because he wants the piece to be factual. Mm. I mean, don't get me wrong, it's quite funny, you get theatrical licence, but really he wanted this to come across as he knows his stuff mm -hmm. because he doesn't want to do a disservice to people that actually do have this disorder and it's very real so mm. you know I, I, I do feel for people because it's brought home to me as well and you think hang on a minute I've been looking at that vase for 40 years it's been in the same place I'm going to get rid of it mm. so I get rid of something once a week now oh wow Yes, I, I wish I could do that. Yeah, it takes a bit of discipline, doesn't it? Yes. So you're covering quite a lot of quite sort of hardcore, you know, quite heavy issues in it. Although it is funny, as you've said. Did you have to do a lot of research and preparation for it so you could kind of understand Birdie? I took a lot of guidance from Philip. I also spoke to a couple of social workers within that sphere. Mm. You know, they weren't with children or psychologically disturbed. But I spoke to definitely a couple of people that have dealt with that. And it was just interesting because they, they're a menace to the whole community. Do you know, and also, don't forget that if somebody's got this unfortunate illness, it can be treated, by the way, eventually, it takes a long time, then people forget that the next door neighbours, they become, their quality of life's gone. Mm. You know, there's lots of banging on the wall on Birdie's house from next door. Mm. You know, that constant stuff. And then you, the rubbish that never gets cleared. So there's, there's quite a lot. So I was really pleased to talk about this because I said, look, I've got to say this and I've got to say that. Is this correct? Mm -hmm. Not doubting Philip, of course, mm -hmm. but to know yourself, he said, oh, yes, absolutely, says that's a mild terminology, that. Mm -hmm. You know, and the other thing is these cutbacks. So, of course, you keep getting a social worker. They yeah. think they're coming around to see you, mm -hmm. but somebody else is far worse off than birdies, so they never see her. Mm -hmm. Hence, it's the terrible treadmill again. Mm -hmm. So he's commenting on quite a lot of things then. Yeah, definitely. How, how they're sort of a burden, really, and there's lots of social workers. They just want to tick the, tick the boxes. And if, if they go around once a month, then that's really doing their job. Well, of course, months, once a month's no good. Anyway, she gets sectioned at one point. That's in it. Because mm. no tablet taken. 
No, and that's when they found the dead aunt mm. with the fly infestation. Oh, I mean, we're a lot to live with that poor cow. <laughs> I feel sorry for her. <laughs> Honest to God. Harpy is also a derogatory term for a woman. People say things like screaming harpy and... Definitely, basically. definitely. And the thing is, there's the twist on that. Philip, he's very... He's always been surrounded by strong women himself. Mm. You know, like the Corrie ladies of old. Yeah, yeah. You know, the grannies Big and the fan, yeah. matriarch. Mm. So, of course, um, he's well aware of that. So he's got a double-sided thing. It's amazing, the ladies. You see, Birdie, in her own way, she's really strong. If she wants to get annoyed, she shows her strength like that. Funnily enough, a lady that is also in it, although you never see her, because the dialogue is just m myself, but he then turns it round and she goes, hang on a minute, I've researched it, she said, and it means strong women that want, that are not going to be messed about. And she said, I'd be proud to be a harpy, so I want to be one. Do you know, so it's mm. funny you should mention that, yeah, so it is a double-edged a double -edged thing. Okay. It's, it should not be derogatory at all, but... We've I all, didn't know that. Mm, we've mm. all... We've all been taught over the years that why you like that you should be sitting down when you're 75 for example mm. well you, you you might not want to be sitting so why should we always create and 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 um, shall we say inherit these myths about behavior because we do mm. so really it means they've got a strength but because no no not necessarily men. that wouldn't be fair because i'm not sexist mostly men they're nervous about a woman that feels that, you know, she Empowered, knows. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. But of course, you mean, it, they're just not afraid to, to, to speak how they see it. Mm. Rather than just be mamby-pambying on the fence going, well, I don't really know. Yeah. <laughs> she sounds a bit like Mavis, doesn't she, from <laughs> Corrie? Oh, I don't rightly know. Do you remember? She, she, she wasn't Mavis. Oh, poor Mavis. She never bloody knew anything. Oh, she wanted to, to speak to, with Derek. Remember Derek? Yeah, I remember it all. Yeah. Oh, Derek died, yeah. didn't he, apparently? Peter in real life died. Yeah. But the, that, that was the actor. But Derek himself, you know, passed on. I don't know what to do without Derek. Oh, Mavis. Poor cat. She wasn't a particularly strong... No, she was no harpy at all, was she? She was probably just a harp. So, Harpy is apparently inspired by the retro cinematic subgenre of, I don't know how to pronounce this, Grand Dame Guignol or Hag Horror, which is basically about faded stars playing mad, potentially dangerous women or bewildered creatures in peril. So, mm, that's a bit like, if you like, at Sunset Boulevard. You know, she said, I'm ready for my close-up, Mr. Mm. DeMille. And anybody like that that is struggling to keep on mm. and to hold on to that wonderful fame that they had when they mm. were 30. And I, I suppose if you, that's a literal translation, yeah. if you like. Mm. But I think Philip wanted to take little bits from each thing that is read yeah. and put that together as... Somebody else has actually written that, I think, you know. Uh, Some sort of intellect, if you ask me. And I went, how do you spell that? I, mean, <laughs> I said, could you just break it down, please, into something that... <laughs> so I was, what I was thinking of when I read that was the, um, the character in Cats who sings... Memory? Yeah. 
Yeah, I think so. I think yeah. that's absolutely right. I think as well, it's one of those things where people say, you'd think he'd know he's past his sell-by date, and you'd think she'd, when she's still at it. She's 89. Whatever is she doing? Mm. Da, da, da. And of course, and we're all going to get that because people are ageist once again. We've been brought up mm. with, oh, you should be like this at 89, ready, ready for the box, or the, which is really quite appalling. But you see, they're written off just because they're 89 and they still want to be able to think of that. And some people say, oh, it's faded glory now. But it's a bit sad. But I think if they can still do stuff, how marvellous is that? And, and, yes. and celebrate. My God, she's got a fantastic part and she hasn't missed a performance for 20 years. But do you know what I mean? What's wrong with that? So, no, I think that's dreadful. I, I, I want to celebrate that they're still hanging on. So, I mean, a lot of those attitudes you talked about are kind of more directed at women than men. We're sort of a bit, as a society, kind of more keen to sort of throw women on the scrap heap once they kind of stop ticking the box that we want them to... No, you're absolutely right. So, yeah. what, does this role kind of challenge that perception? Now, let me see. It's... It, it certainly challenges the fact that people have got certain ideas and if they're not met, for example, somebody talks to Birdie in the street and she says, oh, you must know about that house with all the rubbish on Hudson Hill. Oh, you know, everything that's over there, the house of horrors. Mm. And it turns out it's one of her neighbours that actually is talking to Birdie about Birdie's own house. Mm. Can you imagine the pain of that? Yeah. And poor old Birdie's thinking, Blimey, she doesn't even know me. Mm. I'm one of her neighbours, and, and she, if she got to know me, she could probably see that we could have good fun together. Though she's already made up her mind that this neighbour, just because she's obviously not looking after her house very well, must be... Oh, Good grief. Fancy letting yourself and your house go like that. So it's certainly challenging some aspects of what we think people should be like. Yeah. Because, you know, not enough people know that maybe people are dealing with mm. upsets in their lives. And Philip wrote and he said, hmm. you see, so-and-so within the piece, so-and-so, um, well, how do we know what's going on with somebody, really? They only show you what they want to see and maybe little bits of stuff that they can't quite hide. Like, you know, you don't want people to know that your husband's left you for somebody who's, you know, 50 years younger when you're 75. Mm. But you can't quite hide the pain that something's happened. So you just get bits of people, don't you? Mm. Which I think is even more now... You know, the sort of world we live in, social media and things like that, is even more relevant than ever, really. The way we kind of portray this sort of image of ourselves. Oh, yes, so do I. And the other thing is, I mean, people do hide behind the anonymity. I think social media, a lot of the time, has been absolutely revelatory. It's been so helpful, you know, when it's friends reunited, etc. But sadly, it's become a platform for any anybody to absolutely say anything they wouldn't normally say face to face. Mm. They'd probably edit their sentences, but on there, mm. because they have the cloak of anonymity, they can really say appalling things. I mean, certain people, well, we know, don't we, of late, sadly tweets can get misinterpreted for example and then that's it 
It's the end of the person because they've complained about something. It's dangerous, that is. Hey, listeners. We very much like you listening, but we would bloody love you to become viewers. Our live gigs are things of joy, so you should totally come to one. Our next show is in Birmingham on Sunday the 29th of March at the very civilised time of 5pm. And Hannah and I will be chatting with the boss, Sarah Milliken, the very talented actor and playwright, Helen Monks, excellent comedian and actor, Janice Connolly, aka Mrs Barbara Nice, and A.N. Other, T.B.A. We're also in the process of finalising gig bookings in Brighton, Manchester, Milton Keynes, London and Edinburgh. So keep an eye on our website for details of those bad boys. That website? www.standardissuepodcast.com What attracted you to this particular role? Why did you, what, why did you think, oh, I really want to do this? Well, for a start, I've never done a one-person show. I've done a musical for one mm. person, but not a play. And when um, Philip and I worked together in Sunderland, because he's written a lot of these, over because he'd done a lot of radio plays, he did one for, with Matthew Kelly about a month ago, Radio 4, fabulous. And he said, I'd like to write something for you, Sue. Would you be interested? I said, well, I would. He said, but it might be something slightly that would go against, if you like. What? So I said, no, all, all the better, as long as the script's good, darling. It's all about the script for me, Jen. I, if it's no good, you go well, I, I can't make anything of this because there's nothing to work with. So anyway, he gave me the synopsis. I said, yeah, I like the sound of that for a start. So then he started to write it, and I thought, I can do something with this because she's actually, she's a tragic comic figure. But the great thing is, you know, you really know what the poor woman's going through, and I thought, I like this because this is real. Gives you a chance to... You're not just saying funny lines or you're not feeding somebody for a gag. Yeah. This is a new, a different approach to a different kind of work. Mm. So I thought, oh, yeah, I can make something of this, I think. So uh, that was basically why I did it. And the great thing is at the end, it's hope. You know, you, you never know. It's ambiguous ending. You never know what's going to happen to her. But you get the impression that, oh... I hope she I hope she gets better. She might be all right. Yeah, so, yeah. I mean, and darling, Jen, we all have to have hope, darling. We certainly do. Don't we, really? We certainly do, I say, on the eve of Brexit. Um. Oh, <laughs> oh, would you know, I think it's going to be fine. People say, oh, God, it's going to be terrible. And I said, no, I, I said, we've always been an island. We were an island long before Ted Heath put us in the EU, weren't we? I said, we'll be fine. Anyway, I can't go into politics. because no, no. But the trouble is, Jen, I don't know enough to have a big debate. You know how you do. Yeah, well, we're not here to talk about Brexit anyway. No, so that's but it's fine. quite funny, though, because everybody's got an opinion, haven't they, babe? <laughs> they really do. Mm. So, you've done loads and loads and loads of things over the course of your career, and something I chatted to you about before our, our show in Edinburgh was Heidi High, because I'm from Harwich, which uh, is where Heidi High was filmed, listeners. So you spent a bit of time there um, teaching parrots to swear in hotel bars. Oh, yes, it was Marv. (laughs) This parrot is the dullest parrot (laughs) I've ever seen. It just was on its perch, didn't do anything, didn't didn't even seem to eat. Anyway, I thought, right, I've got half an hour or so for a cup of tea before I'm called on to set. So I thought, right, um, and I knew it talked because it said the odd thing. Hello, did you have a good ferry? Because the, the ferry Harwich, yeah. ferry was there, as you know, mm-hmm. went over to Holland. 
So I knew that some people had got off the ferry, came into the hotel just for refreshments, light refreshments. And I thought, I sat right there. I just said, sod off, sod off. So it was fantastic. I was thrilled to bits because it, it said sod off. Oh, I was thrilled. Anyway, I thought, I shall go a little bit down a darker route now. And then, you know... Uh, the old F word came in about three weeks later. Oh, and to my utter delight, said it. I thought it was more than this. That thing was. These people came in. They'd obviously got off the ferry, and uh, they were sat there. And suddenly, and it, they went, "Hello, how are you?" And you know, it is a bit. So it's come to our attention that. These ladies have made a formal complaint that the parrot... He said, we know it's you. I said, well, there's no proof. <laughs> but I had endless hours of happiness. <laughs> oh, well, I, I like being a bit subversive, Jen. It does you good. <laughs> I agree completely. Amazing. <laughs> Peggy and Heidi High is probably your most famous role. Yes. I just wondered, has that been a bit difficult to sort of shake off, or have, have you even wanted to? is absolutely going to be always, I think, in, uh, foremost in people's memories. A, lovely, because it means they enjoy the show, they love what was in it, they like the characters. So, in a way, that's a real lovely, affectionate memory. Also, if you're not careful, you can then want to, as you progress, um, well, I'm actually doing Me and My Girl now, or, you know, mm. which was obviously a musical, for those that don't know, set in the 30s and stuff. Mm. And it was a very, very popular show. Um, and, and, and further things in your TV stuff. But you know what? You have to embrace that. Because you're going to be miserable your whole career. Mm. You know, it's ridiculous. So people have got to take on board artists and be perfectly happy to talk about how they are. Because, quite honestly, it was a springboard to other stuff. And it's given me a very fantastic lifestyle in terms of, not materialistically, but in terms of... You know, people accepting that they they relied on you to be a halfway decent performer. Mm. So therefore, if if they find out you're reliable and you're hopefully going to give them VFM is my mantra, mm -hmm. value for money, you're a safe pair of hands then for an audience because they'll come along and say, oh, she's been going for years. They've done some everything I've really enjoyed. So that's not a bad thing. No, absolutely so not. that Heidi has the platform. And I remember Tony Curtis and Tick Campden name-dropping. Tony Curtis is best known for some like it hot. <laughs> you know, I do. You just happened to meet him at a function. And we just got talking. Anyway, and I said, isn't it marvellous that people still love, uh, you know, some like it hot? And he said, yes. I said, do you ever dislike talking about it? I thought from his point of view. Mm. And he went... Oh, no. He said, if I didn't mention that, I'm, I'm actually disrespecting somebody's memory. Oh. Does that mean, then, that it never existed? So yeah. you're questioning them. So he said, my dear, I've embraced it all for years. I thought, yeah, he's my type. <laughs> like I said, you've done loads and loads of stuff. You know, you've done TV, you've done theatre. You even, I was doing a little bit of Googling this morning... And I had forgotten that you've done some music as well. So obviously you do musical performances, but you've had like some singles and albums out. Yes. Things like that. So what's been your favourite thing to work on? Oh, it's really 
really hard. One of my very favourite things I did about 12 years ago, and one word, musical shout, as you can imagine, it was all about the 60s music. It was two hours long. Basically, not much of a storyline, but that doesn't matter. Because these days you just have a hook to hang your coat on, don't you? And this was basically all the ladies of the 60s, like your favourite singers, Dusty Springfield, Petula Clark, people, and Martha and the Vandellas. Um, there was um, six of us, six girls in the show. And it was one song after the other with a bit of hitchhiking uh, choreography and stuff. Yeah. That was tremendous. That was tremendous because it was worldwide. So you, we, we could do what we call in our trade walk-up trade, which means they haven't booked, they've just seen on a poster, wow, let's go and see this because we know the music. That was tremendous. I also loved, going back a bit, it's called My Single Starting Together. And people go, oh, we have that at weddings. Because basically, Jen, it was a theme tune for a documentary for six weeks on this couple that were getting married. Mm. And it was basically their preparation, how they were leading up to the wedding. Yeah. So, of course, it was on every week as a theme tune. Anyway, people watched it, seemed to like that song. So straight away, producer, they're not daft. Uh, not necessarily the, the um, show producer, but a record producer rang and said, We'd la we reckon this would make a good single. So I, I said, oh, I'm up for that. So we recreated it in the studio, made it a bit more, a bit fuller, if you like, in terms of the way it was um, composed and stuff. It's marvellous. Um, I got a silver disc for it. Oh, wow. 250,000 copies, because I had to sell that many, Jen, at yeah. that time. So I was thrilled to bits. Talking about subversive, just going back. So I went to Alders, Alders of Croydon. A big shopping, I don't know if it's still there, the big shop. So you have to go, you know, they drag you out to sign copies. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So there I was, I was um, on my way to the record department and there was Santa Claus. He was handcuffed to two policemen. He, obviously something had happened in the grotto. So it's, it's funny, it's funny how you were. And then I got an album after that, off the top of that. But you know what? It's so lovely. I still get a lot of requests saying, could you come and sing Starting Together at our wedding? Did you ever do it? Well, I did it once for a couple of um, gay friends of mine, the two Allens. But darling, if I did that, I'd never work. I'd just be going to all these churches <laughs> to sing Starting Together and, and get a piece of cake and no money. <laughs> there's never any money in it, but there's a piece of sponge. It's Stop not good for asking, the, guys. Yeah, it's not, it's not really good for the, you know. Amazing. Okay, so, so Harpy is touring... As of... I believe it starts on March the 7th. I'm do, well, I'm actually doing, I'm doing the tech, mm -hmm. and it starts two days later, so it's the 9th. So there's not much technical time to do it, but because there's only really one set, but it's a very fabulous set in terms of, well, of course, what does hoarding represent? Heaven knows what she's got in there. So, of course, I said to the designer, mm. well, look, I said... Just give me some rubbish to talk about at first because they'll be so be looking at the set. They probably won't be concentrating on the flipping plot. Okay, so you're touring between March and May. Well, I think a whole truck that we're going to, there's only about half a dozen seats left now. Okay, so hurry up. Yes, really, I suppose, which is lovely. I mean, it's very, very nice that people are interested, Jen. You know, you just can just hope for the best, don't you, that... You're a national treasure, Sue. Oh, bless you. I'm coming out to see you. Oh, well, 
Well, I can guarantee that they'll get... Well, I'll, all I can do is my very best. I'll put the work in. So let's just hope that they go away happy. Sue, thank you so much for joining us. Oh, I've really had an, an absolute ball. I think it's great that it's nice for me to talk to somebody that knows what questions to ask and not what I'm eating for me dinner. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, Hannah here. Just wanted to let you know that if you like what we do, you can help us by rating and reviewing us on iTunes. It really does help, especially if you give us five stars. Did that sound threatening enough? Give us five stars. Standard Issue for All Women.